Hey guys, welcome back to another fun-filled edition of Soap Lore. I'm your host, Jet, and I'm recording in a totally different room today. I apologize for any background noise. Hopefully it's not too interfering because we have got to get back to the Yellow Rose. We are on episode 10, and this one is called Only the Proud. When last we left, Wit had just been picked up for shooting Jeb Hollister in the neck. Now, we all know this isn't true based on the story. I mean... He would have no reason. Wit was actually on his way to El Paso to get his his girl back. He was taken in by that super creepy ascot wearing sheriff with the rattlesnake on his hat. That guy was all too happy to see Wit put in jail. And of course, they make a really big scene of, you know, ushering him into jail. All the guys are whistling at him, calling him all sorts of sweethearts and this, that and the other. And I get it because Wit is beautiful. But there's something different about him. It's almost as if they stopped filming for a really long time. And when they picked back up, he had beca- he'd gotten a little bit older. So it leads me to believe that this guy, he's probably, the actor's probably between 18 and 21 anyway. And you know, boys will do that. They, they tend to look, they start like rapidly changing after about 19 or so. Okay, the theme of this whole episode is basically the relationships you have to the people closest to you are they good are they healthy what happens when one is severed um how do you mend it do you turn in people you love these are all the questions we are forced to ask ourselves on this episode all right so wit's in jail he is being accosted by all these people hooping and hollering at him basically making a big scene for nothing they want to make sure that the little guy the new guy is really scared but like i said he looks tough he looks strong he's still just really confused as to what's going on now the rest of the gang with the exception of his dad the rest of the gang is basically in varying states of looking for him chance and those two old cowboys are in the truck looking for him kisto is working on basically an appeal he already knows that he's been picked up So he's working on getting him out of jail as quickly as possible. Juliet. Now, Juliet is Hollister's daughter, and she's still reeling from her dad being shot up and whatnot. And she is kind of believing the story that Wit had something to do with it. Now, she and Colleen, luckily, have become best friends since the last episode. So Colleen is with her at the hospital. And Colleen ain't having it. She's like, no, I know Wit. There's just, there's no way. There's no way he would shoot anybody. But Karen is just like not Karen, uh, Juliet seems to think that might be the case. Right about this time, Karen, who is Hollister's, this is a new character. She just popped up last episode. This is Hollister's assistant, who he's kind of sweet on. She's young. She's probably about the same age as Colleen and Juliet. And she tells Juliet that her dad is doped up, but he wants to see her so she can go in there and talk to him. And he might be, you know, he's not going to be very lucid, but go for it. This was only so she can get her out of the way so that she can have a one-on-one with Colleen. Now, you got to think about this. Colleen is this cowgirl. She's loosey-goosey. You know, I've talked about her in other episodes, how they make her to be just almost over, this over-sexualized tart, almost, in some scenes. And then others, she's a little bit more normal. In this scene, she's a bit more normal. Juliet has her hair, you know, she has her hair slicked back. She is, if you think of an 80s businesswoman, that's exactly what she looks like. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to Soul Floors. It's your first time listening. Welcome. I'm so glad you decided to join us today. Please note that I don't make up anything. I do, 
tend to extract the essence of a scene versus giving you the verbatim dialogue. And that's what I'm going to do this next scene. The Spanish Inquisition begins with Colleen. Karen. Hey, Colleen. Um, how do you know? How do you know Juliet? Oh, yeah, Juliet. We're friends. She's, you know, I know her from around the way. Oh, Juliet. This is called, this is uh, Karen. Juliet is dating your Colleen. Uh, I married his daddy. Karen. Oh, okay. His, your stepson. Right, right, right. Okay. Well, didn't, didn't your husband's other son just pop up out of the blue recently? Out of nowhere? Colleen. Colleen is realizing at this point how weird it is to have a stepson that she's sleeping with. And it's probably thinking in, okay, what is my grandson technically? Roy and Kisto are my stepsons, technically, which would make Chance my stepson because he is my ex-husband's son. And that makes him my my daughter's biological brother. Family tree gets really muddy and weird right here. And Colleen snaps. She's like, why are you asking all these questions, Karen? And Karen is just as cool as she can be. You know, no reason. It's, it's weird enough to think. I never really thought about the fact that Chance was Elsie's brother. That's really, really weird to think about. Now, Colleen tries to explain this off by using this, this metaphor that when you are breeding stock, you don't just, you know, keep the herd going with the same sort of stock. Like you have to bring in randos from time to time because it strengthens the bloodline. So that's based, that's her explanation for this whole thing. Her explanation isn't nearly as interesting as why Karen wants to know this. What, what does she have to gain from all this? What makes it stranger still is that she's not outwardly vicious towards anyone. She's always calm, cool, and collected. And she, I would even go a step further to say that she is a wonderful mediator for both Juliet and Jeb. So meanwhile, back in Jeb's hospital room, he's more lucid than I expected him to be. And they're discussing the likelihood of Wit being the guy who pulled the trick. And Jeb and Juliet don't have a hard time believing this because Jeb remembers that the last time he saw Wit, it was right after, I guess it would be right after Roy knocked down Jeb. But before that, Jeb had disrespectfully slapped Roy across the face and Roy didn't do anything. So he feels like the kid has a chip on his shoulder for that. But the topic at hand is, Juliet, why are you canoodling with this family. These people have potentially shot me. This is Jeb's point of view. And Juliet's whole thing is, I know him. I know Roy. I just don't see him doing this. I'm torn because, I mean, the beef is with you, dad. It's not really with me. And then the son's beef is also with you. It's not really with me. So I don't know what to do. In walks Karen. Actually, she's not walking. She's been there the whole time. Apparently, Jeb really trusts Karen. She's been in his life for a while and she's just patiently listening to them and she's explaining to Juliet that, hey, your dad really loves you and you have to think about how difficult this situation is. He wants to see you in love, but it's just there's too much history with this family and with Jeb. He's like, you can't blame your daughter for being wholesome and kind and seeing the best in people and you both just need to give each other grace. Now they go out in the hallway, Karen and Juliet, that is, and she has yet another conversation. I really can't stand Juliet, y'all. By this point, this is a full-grown woman. She's giving me all. 
And I do mean all of the crystal wide-eyed, I don't know what's going on vibes. You can only do that for so long. I understand that when you have to disappoint someone you love, it's a difficult task, but she has all the proof in front of her. And instead of making a choice based on her heart, like, hey, I know my dad's a scumbag, but I'm going to ride it out with him. She's trying to pretend like the evidence in front of her doesn't really exist. Karen is, maybe she's just really patient. Karen seems to be playing the long game here. She's playing chess. And she, so far, she's given nothing but good advice. She reminds me a lot of Dr. Tosconi over on Dynasty because they're not, even if they have a plan, a vengeful plan, there's nothing in their character, in their character's action that would give that away. Good old Roy. Now, Roy is upset because his baby boy has been wrongfully locked up. And at this point, he's just really frustrated with the law in the town. He feels like they're getting away. The Hollisters get away with everything and they are really trying to stick it to Roy at this point. So he goes flying down the highway. Oh, this is why he's flying down the highway because it has come out that there were two witnesses. The reason they picked up Wit is because old man Goodall saw a boy running across the street, tall, blonde, with a rifle. He saw that. And another rancher saw the same thing. So that kind of fits Wit. And Roy's on his way to go talk to Goodall. Now, on his way there, he's speeding again. He gets pulled over and he knows it's going to be a whole thing. But right as he's getting pulled over, Chance and the old cowboys pull up and they get out and talk to him and Roy fills him in on everything. Hey, Wits and Jell, I was heading over to the Goodall Ranch. Would you mind going over there first? Because he'll talk to the two old guys, Luther and Hoyt. And Chance is like, yeah, no problem. So they head over. And when they get there, the first thing they see uh, besides Goodall is his grandson's in town, which this is another new character. Me personally watching the show, I had to rewind it because when I looked, it looked like Wit. It looked almost just like him. And I'm like, oh, okay. So that's, we all know where this is going to go. Chance kind of has the same thought, but he doesn't say anything. And they start talking to Mr. Goodall. And he's, he tells him, yeah, he saw a kid running across the street, but he hasn't seen Wit in like five or six years. So he has no idea what Wit looks like. And he's, he's kind of saddened that it would be, that's who's in jail. So he decides he's going to go to the jail for a lineup. And you you know how they do. They're going to bring out all the criminals or alleged criminals, and he's going to look at them and see if he can pick out the person he saw, which is perfect because he's never, he hasn't seen Wit in years. He doesn't know what Wit looks like. Since the guys are taking care of Goodall, Roy decides that it's time that he go back to the jail so that he can talk to Wit. He's finally able to have a moment with him at the courthouse jail, and it's a good time for me every single time this man opens his mouth, Roy that is. He's always dropping these gems and they're talking about grace and what love is and what love isn't. Now, Wade is being young. He he feels like love for him would be chasing down Gloria and showing her that he cares enough about her, whether she lives or dies, whether she stays or goes. I care about you. He, he feels like that's that's a bigger show of love than letting her go. He believes she left because she felt unloved. Now, Chance wasn't much of a friend, according to Wit. Wit feels like it was all just like a sexual relationship. I'm sorry for my little nieces and nephews out there, y'all. A little bit of a grown topic. I'll put a warning today. He feels like she and Chance just were hooking up. That's his whole impression of the situation. And Roy, once again, is defending Chance. He's like, no, they're just, you have to think about it. These are the type of people 
where they come from, you stick together. They're just really, really good friends. And he's the old, I mean, she's known him longer than she's known all of us. It's not that deep. He's just a good friend to her. And then he starts talking, Roy, that is about when you love someone, letting them fly. It means that you care about them and their best interests, whether it's the fact that they need space or they need time or they need love or whatever. You give it to them because you care more about them than you do about yourself. Not to say that Wit's not in love at this moment, but you got to put her first. Roy tells him that running after her is, is something a boy would do. That's boyhood love. There's different things you do between the time you're a boy and a man, and it's going to take you time to get there. Wit remembers Grace basically saying the same thing to him, that she loves him, but it's just going to take time. She has to get over a few things in her own head, but she does love him, and it's just going to take time for that to grow into something romantic is a gist I got and the quote is something like give yourself time this is what Roy tells him give yourself time it may not turn out the way you think it should but in time you may see it a totally different way is that not the realest is that not the realest thing you've heard in a minute it's so true. It's so true. I can remember being a teenager and having my idea of what life was, particularly like what it meant to be a parent. I didn't think I wanted to have kids. I didn't know anything. I'm 16, 17 years old. Now, your feelings are always valid, but they you are allowed to change your mind over time. And things you think are going to end you in your early 20s, when you walk through that, it's just it's a different vibe. It's a totally different vibe. And he's right. You have to allow yourself time to get where you need to be emotionally and get your head right. And that's in any stage of life. It doesn't mean just when you're like a teenager or when you're young. It happens. Time is one of those things. If you're blessed enough to have it, be gentle with it. That's basically what he's saying. Be gentle with the time you have. Be gentle with yourself and allow yourself the space to change your mind. Because in two years, Grace might not be the person you want to be with. Grace may not be it for you in two years. You may know for sure she is, but you got to give it time. We can't rush anything. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, it seems that Elsie has been doing a little bit of thinking herself and trying to sort out her family tree. Elsie tells Colleen, or asks her rather, if Chance can still be her stepdad if he's her real brother. Now that would make Chance in Colleen's tree as follows. Colleen would be her own children's step-grandmother. Chance would be would be his own stepfather and stepbrother, while Elsie would have a brother and a nephew. Hold on, I'm not sure I got that right. Colleen would definitely be her own children's step-grandmother, for sure. Chance would be, oh yeah, he's his own stepfather because he married his stepmother, that's right. And Elsie would have a brother-nephew. Now, Colleen is less concerned about that, I mean... You have to kind of be okay with that if you marry a man who's 60 plus years old when you marry him. Like he's bound to have children and grandchildren for that matter. But she's struggling with the fact that her little girl is about to be a woman. It's really, really bugging her that I guess, you know, that age where kids start to realize how things really work. And she's like, she's losing her innocence. And Colleen is starting to worry about how her actions and how she's representing herself What effect is that having on Elsie? I am going to leave a large chunk of this episode out because I do feel like it's worth watching. And I want to say I love that even though I know the series is going to end, we're only on episode 10 and this is like the fourth, fourth or fifth storyline. 
I love how they're mixing it up. Every other episode, there's something interesting to uncover. Okay, so last things last. Karen does finally show her hand, sort of. So she calls up Rose and she tells her, oh, let's do a little more theater. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, Rose. Hey, yeah, it's me, Karen. (sighs) No, girl, he's still not dead. Dang, I know, I know, I know. But you know, we have bigger fish to fry. If Roy and Juliet get together, they're going to bring together the Crown H and the Yellow Rose. Now, if memory serves me correctly, shouldn't that go to your boy? I mean, technically, he's both, right? He's a Hollister and a, ch- and a champion. He gets everything, right? Now, what this has to do with anything as far as Karen is concerned, I don't really know. My first guess was that I thought maybe she is, and I still don't know. I'm not far enough in the series to know that. She maybe, maybe she's Jeb's daughter. Maybe she's one of Wade's daughters. I even thought maybe she's Chance's daughter. She looks a little too old to be Chance's daughter, but you know what? Stranger things have happened. Who's to say? I'm going to leave you there. And next week we will pick up where we left off. We'll see if Wit's still in jail. We'll see who actually shot Jeb Hollister and what this whole unraveling is with this Karen girl. Who is she? What does she want? What is she waiting for? What's going to happen? Until then... Stay hydrated, stay cool, and make sure all of your drama is on TV.